You're listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. Welcome into the very first episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Thank you for coming and joining us and listening to some of the best in the field and listening to what they have to say. For our inaugural episode, we have the ACL guru. You may have seen him on Instagram or on social media, dropping all sorts of knowledge bombs about ACLs. We have Mr. Wesley Wang. Wesley, welcome in. Thanks for having me, Chase. All right. So for those who... You who may not know about West about you, Wesley, give us a little bit about your background, where you came from, and what got you into PT in the first place. Yeah, sure. So I graduated from Franklin Pierce University uh, with my DBT in 2015. Um, from there, you know, I, I always went into PT school with the mindset of wanting to pursue kind of sports rehab. Uh, and then I, I, I guess a little bit of backstory is the fact that I, I pursued PT in the first place because I tore my ACL playing basketball and I just kind of love the grind and, and getting back to, to playing basketball again. Um, and that's when I decided to change my career and go back to PT school. Um, so after I graduated, I went on to work for kind of a more traditional outpatient facility. Um, it was where my last rotation was. So it kind of made sense. It was kind of a seamless uh, transition from being a student just to and work there full time. So I went, I was there for about six months. And then I went on to work for another um, kind of more traditional outpatient place for about a year and a half. And then thankfully in October of 17, 2017, I was, um, I got connected with Teddy a little bit year before that. Some people know him as strength coach therapy and, um, you know, we kind of just got to talking and then eventually he ended up, uh, offering me a job and I accepted and I immediately went into my job next, next day and, and told him that I was quitting. Um, so I could start at, at healthy baller. So I've been there since October of 2017. So I'm coming up to my four year anniversary there. Um, and after working there for about a few months, I decided to kind of choose to specialize in ACR rehab because I felt like it was a very neglected area in the outpatient world. Um, so that's kind of where I've been ever since I, I do see other injuries, but probably about 60 some percent of my patients are, are ACLs and I work with mostly high school and college level athletes. Okay. Awesome. So PT is your second career. What were you doing prior going back to PT school? Uh, I used to work in the consulting field, so I used to work for Accenture. Some people know, um, some people may have heard of it. It's one of the bigger consulting firms out there. Um, so I was there for about seven months, but kind of quickly realized that that wasn't for me. Gotcha. All right, awesome. So you said that you're seeing mostly, you're seeing about sixty percent ACL patients. Um, other than that, how would you say your job is different than a typical outpatient ortho, being a like? considering yourself a sports centered clinician? Yeah. So definitely the, um, the amount of athletes that I see, you know, my last job, my last two jobs, I would be lucky if I had three to four athletes, um, in an, in an entire week, um, here at where I'm at right now, I see athletes every single day, probably about 90% of my patients are, are high school and college level athletes. And I'll get the occasional adults, um, who are also very active, you know, they're athletes in their own right. They're just not playing for like a school team or anything like that. Um, and on top of that, we see every single patient for an hour. So a lot of more traditional places, we'll see patients for every 20, 30 minutes, and then you have to move on to your next patient. So it's a little more higher volume. Um, but we see every single patient for an hour. 
And then I, I think probably the last big thing is the fact that our facility uh, is kind of very unique for the sports rehab. We have a 40 yard turf space. We have a pretty extensive weight room, um, a lot of necessary equipment that, that is needed to really kind of push athletes in order to get them back to hundred percent and not just, you know, like halfway there. Right. So kind of diving more into that, where, um, so if you have all this equipment, how much communication do you guys have with the team's athletic trainer or strength coach or even like team coaches um, and helping them getting back to full playing position? Where do you like delineate the line between physical therapy and getting them back to the strength coach or getting them back on the field? Um, yeah, so if that's a good question. I, I would say a good chunk of my patients are from our strength coaches, actually. Um, I have great relationship with our strength coaches, you know, in particular, the owner of our facility works with a lot of um, high school and college level female lacrosse players, which is what most people probably see on my, uh, on my Instagram. Um, so him and I have a great relationship, you know, for example, ACLs, cause that's what I see a lot of. Um, if he sends me an ACL, I can get them all the way back. I can get them all the way back to hundred percent, but particularly in the late stages when they're, you know, eight months or so, and this is actually happening right now with a couple of our girls, um, he'll start to help them transition back to playing lacrosse again. So he'll do one-on-one -on -one sessions with them, focus more so on like movement, help them work on lacrosse specific movements, cutting, dodging, playing defense, whatever, whatever their position may be, and help them regain confidence that way. And on top of that, because of the club team that he's affiliated with, he gets to see them when they go back to practice for the first time. Um, so right now, we literally have a girl right now who's eight and a half, uh, eight months post-op. And she has started to go back to practices, non-contact, um, but he's able to keep an eye on her and he's done a session with her. So he'll do a session a week with her and she still does PT twice a week um, on top of that. So she's very, very motivated. Parents are super motivated to get her back um, and she's having a great recovery. So that's kind of how we bridge the gap. And then once she clears all of our, all of our return to sport testing, she's full go. She's back to, you know, playing at hundred percent and back to training without, without coming to PT. Um, so that's kind of the general guidelines that we typically have with these, with, especially with these ACLs computing, uh, communicating with strength coaches, um, with college athletes, it's a lot more of a challenge. Um, a lot of my college athletes, I feel like don't really get the care that they need, um, because a college ATC has to juggle potentially two teams, which is potentially maybe 70, some kids, um, and maybe like eight to 10 of them are, 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 are injured. Um, and on top of that, um, like sometimes they, because they're juggling so many people, they don't, my ACL kids don't really get the one-on-one -on -one that they need. So, you know, they'll be given three exercises and tell them to just go do it. And at the end of the day, they don't know if they're doing it correctly. They, they think they are. Um, but then they start developing these compensations that we end up having to clean up later on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the nutshell in regards to how I communicate with strength coaches and ATCs, um, especially with my college athletes. I try to make sure I send very thorough emails, make sure I, I take phone calls if I need to with them, just so they can, they have a smooth transition back and forth. Um, and most of my kit, most of my college athletes know that I'm still with them, even though they're at school. So they'll text me. And even just today, I've had two college athletes text me already, um, asking me about my opinion on certain things. So for me, I want to make sure they, they understand that I'm, I'm fully bought into them, even if they're not seeing me directly in person. Right. And I think that's something that as someone that wants to be in sports, is, is kind of daunting, not, you know, building those relationships with ATs and strength coaches is going to be something um, I think we ha I'd have to do generic or uh, like organically by just having a common patient, you know, um, I could always, you know, reach out to different individual coaches and stuff, but I think it's a lot easier if we have someone that we have a common interest in, you know, a specific athlete 
that we've been rehabbing, you know, and they also check in, making sure they're progressing okay in the weight room, weight room or in the training room and stuff like that. Um, so kind of switching gears, um, you're obviously very passionate about sports. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. But what makes it so fulfilling to you? Uh, I, I think for me, it's I'm able to connect with them really well. You know, I didn't play sports at like a super high level. Like I never played on a high school or college level teams, but I played on teams growing up, played in basketball tournaments growing up, played in flag football tournaments growing up. Um, any intramural that I was able to participate in when I was in college, I, I, I did. Um, so it, it's sports is a big part of my life. And on top of that, just watching sports as well. Um, you know, it's something that I'm, I'm very passionate about. And when I tore my ACL, you know, I that was the first time in my life I really had an injury of that magnitude. You know, I think the next closest one was probably like a grade two ankle sprain that I couldn't play for like, you know, two months, which wasn't even that big of a deal. Um, but tearing your ACL is kind of a different animal. You know, you're out for nine, nine plus months and it takes over over a year to really get your full confidence back and all that kind of stuff. And you know, that, I think that's what I truly take into my rehab is that I'm able to connect with these athletes that, you know, they, that have to miss a season or two seasons, you know, and, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's really, really hard for them to be the sideline kid. Um, and if you don't really understand that aspect of it, I feel like that is a certain, like, I guess a unique piece that I'm able to bring because I've had, um, unfortunately I've had two 20 ACLs at this point. So it's something that I can really buy, uh, like, convince them of in the sense it's like hey I, i've been there with you i know what it's like to be in the trenches um especially right now when i'm still you know nine months in eight and a half months in for my own rehab that i can tell them i can say certain things like ac rehab kind of sucks um and you know they're like yeah it does because it's just a big long constant <laughs> grind but i they, they know i'm with them you know they know i'm with them every step of the way and my goal is to make sure that it get they get back to 100% and not just, you know, 80, 85%. I want to make sure that they're all the way back so that when they step back on the field again, they're like, I, I know I put in the work and I know I'm ready to go. Right. And I think that as a new grad, I think one of the things that I found is that, you know, no matter what type of diagnosis or injury they may, a person may have or whatever exercises that you may give, that, you know, that personal relationship is probably one of the strongest things that we can bring to a patient. And I've, it sounds cliche, but I found that it actually works because I could give the same person, you know, different exercises and, you know, what's to say this one works better. But the fact that they have put their trust in me, that I'm, you know, in, uh, invested in them to help them get better, that seems to be, you know, the defining factor among, you know, across all patients that they seem to get better if they trust me as a clinician. All right. So, yeah, definitely. So, as, you know, as a new clinician, what's one thing? that you faced as a challenge that you did not expect coming out of school? Um, I, I think it's, it's probably not something I realized at the time, but now being, you know, I'm six years out from PT school now, so I have a different perspective than what I did as a new grad. And I just think about like how differently I treated when I was a new grad. I was very manual based when I was a, a new grad. Um, and on top of that, I thought I knew what it was like to treat athletes. And then looking back, like now as at, at my old self and my, as, as my new grad self, I would tell, tell that kid, uh, to kind of like pump the brakes a little bit and really just focus on consistently learning. Um, and the first time that really happened and I got, I, I got kind of, a, a glimpse as to what sports rehab looked like was one of my coworkers there who actually ended up going to work for, um, DC United as a head therapist there. 
um, the MLS team in DC, uh, he was the one who kind of like started to mentor me a little bit. It wasn't anything formal, but like any, any chance I had to pick his brain, he was willing to answer my questions. And he was already a PT for several years and had lots of experience treating high level athletes. Um, so that was kind of my first glimpse at it. And for me, that was like, whoa, like I really have a lot to learn. Um, and then coming to healthy baller, even more so like finally getting to see a lot of athletes over and over and over again. Um, it started to really open my eyes as to the physical demands that the athletes place in their bodies and how rehab needs to match that demand, uh, which I do feel like is probably like in a nutshell, the, the biggest gap between like a more traditional model and what we're trying to do is because a lot of traditional places maybe don't have the equipment, the space or whatever it is, or some of the therapists don't even have the knowledge to really get these athletes all the way back. Um, and again, if it's a, you know, a grade one ankle sprain, no big deal. You can, you can go to a, a place and you'll be completely fine. But if you're talking about like a grade three ankle sprain, you know, um, a high level quad strain or a hamstring strain, like, and your, or ACLs, like you're talking about the, these big, big injuries that you need to make sure you take care of the right way. Um, those are the ones I feel like I, I really didn't really understand that well when I was a new grad. Um, so those are the kind of, and I, I think that I would encourage, um, a new grad to really try and, um, learn from other sources. So I started, I learned a lot from our strength coaches at mm -hmm. our facility. Um, they, they've taught me a lot of how to cue movements, how to teach movements, reactive, non-reactive, structured, non-structured, randomized, like so many things that they've taught me that I've been able to incorporate. And for me, even now when they're doing stuff, I'm always watching them to feel like, okay, where can I incorporate this into the spectrum of rehab? Um, so for me, just constantly learning from other resources, not just from PTs, you know, find a sports PT that you, that you like, go shadow them, find a strength coach, go shadow them, um, ATC, whatever it is, just find somebody that you value and that, that can teach you things and ask them if you can go shadow. And for the most part, I feel like most people will say yes. That's one thing that even before I started PT school, I started following all these different PTs on Instagram and Twitter and, you know, you know, just the way they cued different exercises or the way they would address them. Um, that was something that really helped me understand exercise better, you know, um, and it's always, it's, it's been a good learning process because Instagram and Twitter are free and you can learn so much from different therapists online because they all have a slightly different approach or they say it a different way and that can help connect with different patients. And so what is a good way that you stay evidence-based? Because it's, it's, it's kind of intimidating with, you know, am I doing the right thing? Am I treating, am I loading this patient enough? Am I not loading this patient enough? What's one way that you like stay on top of the evidence while working a full-time job and I'm sure other side projects that you have? Um, yeah, so at least, and this was implemented by Teddy, but every week we have uh, weekly PT meetings where we will bring up an article and discuss it and also figure out how it should be implemented within our practices. Um, so we've gone over, I mean, we've gone over the entire body and like, for me, like, I don't really treat a lot of elbows. Um, but our most recent one was how like the, like using weighted balls can affect the amount of stress placed on your, on your elbow, but also at the same time can increase the speed of your throw. Um, so just things for me to kind of stay up to date on stuff that I don't necessarily treat, but maybe, you know, eventually I will be able to treat one. Um, and on top of that, just, I, I wouldn't say I do it as consistently as I probably should, but every couple of weeks, every three weeks, I'll go onto one of the data databases like JOSPT and kind of do a search on, for me, again, saying for me, mostly staying up to like ACL um, updates or uh, ACL articles is kind of my priority, 
But on top of that, still looking at other injuries that I may see pretty frequently, you know, uh, like muscle strains, uh, rotator cuff stuff, and also uh, ankle sprains and low back pain are kind of the main ones that I really will see a lot. So kind of staying on, on top of that too. Um, and I think a lot of it is just staying like consistent is probably the biggest thing. Um, and even then on social media, there's some people on Instagram that post articles pretty frequently. So a lot of times like uh, when they post an article, I'll like screenshot it and that'll, that'll be a reminder for me to go look it up later and kind of dive into it more in detail. Um, so those are kind of the, the, the main ways that I personally try to stay up to date in, in, in literature. That's, those are all great pieces of advice that I'm going to have to definitely take into consideration as I, as I go on in my practice. Um, so we talked a lot about ACLs. Um, and do you want to talk a little bit about um, the ACL group that you have started and um, maybe give a little bit of a plug about that? Yeah, sure. Um, so as, as a new grad, um, I, I often found myself like, again, looking back now, I, I really didn't know that much about ACL rehab. You know, I thought I did because I went through it myself and, you know, just treating them every once in a while. I thought I really knew what I was doing and I, and I like treating ACLs. Um, but at the end of the day, I was following this very outdated protocol and the majority of these protocols nowadays are still very outdated because they're still clearing kids at six months. And we know that a lot of research supports that um, they shouldn't be cleared until nine plus months. And on top of that, they should pass um, proper return to sport testing. So that that's kind of where I, and as I've dove in more into the research and, and treated more ACLs and seen more horror stories from, from patients coming from other facilities, I felt like there was a major gap. Um, I, I just feel like a lot of times in the outpatient world, people still treat, and this was my rant that I posted last night on, on, on my story, is that a lot of people still treat ACLs as if, it, as if it's some, again, basic injury. You know, they treat it as if it's a grain one ankle sprain, when in reality, it's not. It's one of the most difficult outpatient injuries that we will see. And, and you know, I, I don't think it's extreme to say, but you can screw up an ACL. And if you screw up an ACL, you can really alter someone's life for the worse. Um, and I've seen it before where one ACL was done really poorly as far as the rehab goes and they were cleared too early. And what happens? You tear again. And on top of that, what happens? You tear again. And then some people after three ACL tears, are like I'm done. I'm never playing sports ever again. Um, that obviously is significantly altering someone's life. And on top of that, maybe they end up dealing with chronic knee pain. Um, so these are the kind of things of why I, I felt like I, I had a void to fill in regards to the education side of ACL rehab, because there is no course out there. There is no, like there are basic courses, you know, Kevin Wilkes has a course. Um, and that's just, it does, but it doesn't cover necessarily the treatment side of things. It's more like research-based, uh, which is obviously super, super important. But I felt like there was a big gap in regard to the application side of like seeing something and applying it. And that's how I learned where I, I, I see an exercise, figure out how to use it, start using it. And then that becomes a part of my treatment process or becomes like, I guess, in my bank of exercises in my head. Um, so, you know, that, that's kind of why I started the whole mastermind group. And it's, it's a, essentially it's a growing library of content, video content centered around ACR rehab currently over 300 and 300 videos. Um, new content gets added every three to four weeks. Um, and, and the, literally it covers from like day one post up all the way to return to sport. And it has everything in it. Um, on top of that, it also has, I've, I've added stuff like movement assessments, like different compensations you may see as simple as a squat, skater squat, lunge, um, deceleration drops. Like there's so many things that I cover. And on top of that, there's also case studies where I'm showing you like live patients of mine doing certain things. And I like make a video discussing the case study, show the before and after of how I cue it, what I'm looking at and how I corrected it. Um, um, so that, that's like the full spectrum. And then there's also exercises, 
Um, so you have all obviously the four major muscle groups for, for the lower extremity glutes, quads, hamstrings, calves, ranging from difficulty levels, easy, medium, hard. You have plyometrics, you have balance, easy, medium, hard. Um, you also have structured movement. So like non-randomized movement in there too. And then you're looking at also late stage sports music movements. Um, so it really is like a kind of a comprehensive wide range and, you know, all bias aside, I think I wish this was something that I had access to when I was a new grad working with ACLs. Cause I feel like it would have sparked my interest a lot more. And it would have like, honestly, it would have, it would have been able to provide me with higher level of care for my, my patients that I saw early on. Um, so that's kind of why I decided to start it. It was very organic. It wasn't something that I was like looking to do, but then I just kept asking myself, like, what can I do to help more people? Um, because at the end of the day, I can only, I can only treat so many ACLs, but this is my way of helping other ACLs by allowing the clinicians to learn more and they can help more ACLs. Um, so that's kind of the, the big summary of, of what the mastermind group is. And also there's a private forum where you can post questions, share articles, share resources, um, ask a question. Like if you have a case on like a difficult ACL, you can post it on there and myself or other people will answer it within the forum. So, you know, it's kind of a collection of, of people that are really like-minded that want to continue learning, continue to get better. Well, that sounds like a pretty good resource that I am definitely going to be joining today. I think you convinced me with your spiel. Um, is there anything else that you would like to plug or anywhere that people can find you on social media? Um, so social media wise, most of the time on, on Instagram, I don't even think I have a Twitter that I use. <laughs> um, but Instagram wise, it's just Wesley Wang, W-E-S-L-E-Y-W-A-N-G.dpt. Um, that's where I, I, I post most of my stuff on there. Um, and, and I guess for any new grads, just continue learning, continue staying motivated, figure out what your end goal is and make sure you're taking steps to get there. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, a lot of people, like I, I didn't get to where I am today because of something that happened overnight. You know, it's been a long grind. I've been at healthy baller now for four years and, you know, compared to where I was my first year there, it's, it's like a night and day difference. I was stressed to the max my first year, of, you know, not seeing that many patients and working my way up. Um, but it just takes time to kind of make a name for yourself and, and have people respect you and understand what you're doing. Um, and now we're thankfully really busy and now it's, it's, we're, we're up to five therapists now. So it's, it's, uh, it's been a slow and steady grind, but it's been one that I've enjoyed being a, pro a part of. Huge shout out to Wesley Wang for being the very first ever guest on the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you learned anything new, enjoyed our guest, or want to hear more episodes from great future ones, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or wherever else you find your podcast. Every like and subscribe means more than you know.